All right, so has been, as has been mentioned, I'm not Eddie White. I do have on my rock star mic, though, so I'm feeling a little like Britney Spears this morning. Um, so I'm going to be talking about my, uh, what I did on my spring break vacation. For those of you keeping score, that would be my second one uh, that I've had this year. Uh, this one I had the opportunity to go over and, and spend some time with uh, our missionaries in Angola, Nathan and Amoyo Holland and their daughters, Anna and Phoebe. I uh, want to say good morning to them this, uh, this morning. It's now this evening for them. Uh, and Nathan is uh, grading my report as we speak. So uh, hopefully uh, I will do okay. So you may be uh, wondering how I got chosen to uh, go over there. Well, first of all, I guess a little bit about my outfit. Many of you have commented on that so far uh, this morning. This was gifted to me by one of the people that I'm going to be talking about. Uh, and so uh, I thought I would wear it and, and share it with you. It's a very traditional uh, Angolan, uh, uh, Angolan dress, so I'm happy to, uh, happy to do that. I did ask Christy this morning if I looked African, and she laughed and said no. So, um, but how did I get chosen to, uh, to go over there? Well, I, I, I volunteered, um, but I want to talk to you a little bit more about why in the world would I volunteer to go halfway around the world uh, to uh, Africa to see, uh, you know, some other part of the world uh, and spend some time with our, our missionaries? Uh, and it was, uh, it was a bit of a journey for me. So I don't know what your experience has been growing up uh, with, uh, in terms of missionaries and um, your connection to them, uh, but for me, it's, it's been quite a journey. Uh, my experience growing up as a kid was occasionally hearing uh, some boring guy come to church and talk, preach about uh, preaching off in a foreign land that I knew or cared very little about. Um, and uh, that stayed with me for uh, pretty much the first two decades of my life. Uh, and then 2004 hit, and I was in the Air Force. I was sent to a place called Djibouti. Can I, can I say that in church? Um, the, uh, and you can see, if you look on the map up there, it's a very small place, but it's surrounded by some very stable places in the world. Um, places like Somalia and Yemen and Ethiopia. Um, so I was sent over there uh, in the Air Force, and I had the opportunity... Uh, while I was there to go play baseball once a week at uh, a boy's orphanage. You can see the baseball field there. Uh, that's one of the kids that we, we played with there. And so um, getting to spend some time with some actual Jabushans um, made a big impact on me. But not only that, I had the opportunity to uh, go downtown occasionally, and uh, that made perhaps an even bigger impact on me. I would travel through the streets of Djibouti City, and, uh, you know, the streets are, are littered with, with trash. Uh, buildings are barely standing. Uh, the, uh, I, I saw uh, huts that were made out of thin boards and, and tin roofs that were, were barely standing. I saw kids playing in trash heaps. Um, and uh, that had a tremendous impact on me that here, uh, half a world away, are people that are just like me, 
that uh, needed to hear about uh, Jesus, that lived very differently from me, but, but still were very much like me. <clears throat> the second defining moment uh, happened just later that year. Uh, we made the very scary decision to start homeschooling our oldest daughter, Addison. And um, you can go on to the next slide, Richard. <clears throat> and part of that was that part of that curriculum was missionary stories. Um, and we started, I had no exposure to any part of this world, uh, but we started reading stories about people like George Mueller and David Livingston, Jim Elliott, Cameron Townsend, Mary Slessor, uh, and those stories had a huge impact on me. And I, I don't have time to go into each one of these uh, because uh, I'm already going to struggle to get through uh, this in a decent time. But um, <clears throat> just in a nutshell, uh, George Mueller had a huge impact on me because uh, he grew up as quite a scoundrel. Um, and, uh, but along about college time, he found Christ uh, and then went into ministry and began, uh, he grew up in Germany, went to uh, England, and then started uh, an orphanage in Bristol, England for kids that were on the street because either their parents had died from the plague or they had, uh, their, their parents were in debtor's prison. And so he started an orphanage for these kids and um, over the course of his years ha uh, wound up having over 600 kids, I believe, in his orphanage. And here's the important part. Never asked for a single penny from anybody except God. Amazing. Had a tremendous impact on me. Here were people just like me that did amazing things. These are not the people we put up on a pedestal in the Bible, like Paul and Peter. These are people just like me that did amazing things because God did it through them. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about um, somebody that's just like me and just like you uh, that is doing work similar to that uh, in a place very far from here uh, called Angola. All right, so if we're going to if we're going to talk about this, first we need to I think I need to lay a foundation of what is Angola lot. There's a a map there. Um, it's almost twice the size of Texas. Uh, so it doesn't look that big if you look at it on a map, but uh, having driven almost all the way across it, it really is that big. Um, the uh, it's there are a few cities, but it is predominantly rural. Nathan and his team, Nathan's part of a team of, of four folks, um, himself, uh, Danny Reese, uh, Jordan Yarbrough, and uh, Robert Meyer, uh, and they all have uh, different pieces in this, but uh, they work together as a team, and so I will refer to Nathan and his team almost interchangeably uh, throughout this. Um, but they live and work in the city of Wambu. It's a city of about a million people. Uh, most of the folks are, uh, are very poor there, uh, but there is a working class. I wouldn't call it a middle class. It's more of a working class. Um, the, uh, most of their homes or apartments, even in the city, do not have electricity or running water. And in fact, uh, Nathan and his family live in uh, an apartment in Wambu that did not have electricity or running water. Nathan took it upon himself to install a water tank on the roof of his apartment building, run pipes down to his, um, down to his apartment, 
and, so that he could have running water in his apartment. He also took it upon himself to install electricity there. Uh, so uh, it's just the way it is there. Um, so what is Nathan's work in Angola? Well, first of all, and most obviously, he's working with the local church there. And it is a, uh, the primary work that they're doing is with a cell-based church. It's called Renovu. And if you think of a church like ours here in America, like many are, uh, it's, a, it's a church that meets here together and has life groups that we will split up uh, throughout the week and we will meet together in smaller groups. Uh, this is like the exact opposite of that. Um, these are a set of cells or life groups, if you will, that meet together on a regular basis and then will uh, we'll come together uh, periodically to meet together as a large group. And I believe uh, there's now about seven of those. Now, the good news with this cell-based church called Renovu is that it is alive. It is, there, there are a lot of people in this um, congregation that really have a thirst and a hunger to know Jesus and to follow him. It's really something exciting to see. Uh, but the bad news is, it's a young church. It's almost, almost exclusively younger members. And so there's, there's really no one with the experience or maturity to take on the role of uh, elder or shepherd there. And so Nathan and Danny, at the ripe old age of 39, are mostly filling that role. And so as you might expect, they feel very underqualified uh, to fill that role. And uh, that's a great weight on their shoulders as they are mentoring this, this church along and, and trying to, to guide it there. Um, the, uh, the next piece of Nathan's work there is the larger uh, Ika church. Um, the, uh, in Angola, you can't just show up one day at the airport and, uh, uh, and start preaching on the street corner. You have to be invited by a recognized church in Angola. And uh, for Nathan and his team, that church is called Ica. Uh, I should have mentioned uh, Angola is a Portuguese-speaking nation. And so Ica stands for Igreja de Cristo in Angola or the Church of Christ in Angola. I, I do want to clarify this is not the Church of Christ like in the United States. It just happens to be the same name. But there are an awful lot of uh, similarities there between uh, the way that, that we practice and believe and the way that they practice and, and believe. One of the things they struggle with there in, uh, across Angola as a whole is that many of the uh, pastors, preachers, evangelists, they have, I can't go into this too deeply. I just don't have time. Um, but suffice it to say that people have been ordained as pastors, evangelists, um, etc. And once they have been ordained is that they feel like they have arrived, uh, that there is no need for them to continue growing deeper 
or in their, uh, their spiritual journey. You know, now that they are a pastor, they, they know what they need to know. Um, and so Nathan and his team have been working with uh, Andre Bonda, who is the head of the Ica Church in uh, Angola. Uh, and they've been working with him since the, the very beginning of their time now. So they've known him for about 11 or 12 years there. That's a picture of him uh, there with uh, me and, and Nathan there. I had the opportunity to, to have breakfast with him uh, when I journeyed to Luanda to fly out of Angola and head back to the, the States there. Um, and uh, Nathan spends a lot of time mentoring uh, Bonda. He's had a lot of conversations with him over those 11 or 12 years. It's had a pretty big impact uh, on him. Now, Bonda is in the position that he could tell the, the larger Ica church, you know, all the Ica churches across Angola, you will do this and, uh, and it shall be done. But... He has come to realize through his interactions with Nathan over those many years that church autonomy is something to be valued. Uh, to allow the churches to come to, to do their own study and come to their own conclusions and uh, implement uh, things the way that they see that the, the Bible is, is teaching. And so he doesn't like to make big you know, unilateral determinants uh, like that uh, with the, the church. And, uh, but he has a strong desire for uh, the church to really grow uh, deeper in their relationship uh, with God. And so one of, the, one of the things that he has felt is important enough to mandate across the church is uh, that each of the church leaders in Ica churches across Angola should go to uh, the theological training school that Nathan and his team have set up. And I'll talk about that in, in, uh, more in just a, a second. Bonda has the vision that um, every church leader, or Bonda has the vision that they will be able to build a campus in Wambu that would have housing and everything needed there for church leaders to be able to come to this theological training school and um, uh, and actually be there so that they're, you know, they're not having to come from afar and figure out how they're going to stay there and, you know, find housing and, and all of that. Um, so the next piece of their, their work, the team's work there, is this theological training school. Uh, in Portuguese, it's abbreviated ITCA. Uh, I don't know what that stands for. I could make something up and I'd probably even be close. Uh, but let's just call it the theological training school. Uh, Nathan and his team started this school because of their realization that there, there's not a desire across uh, Angolan church leaders to grow deeper. And they said, we need to penetrate this. We need to impact this problem. And so this was a, a direct result uh, of that. And so while the school is aimed at church leaders, it's really open to anyone uh, that wants to come. Um, the, uh, and it's really starting to make a difference. Uh, let me tell you a story of just one student. His name is uh, Bibianu. And it's, that's actually him on the left side of this picture up here. 
had an opportunity to spend some time with, uh, with Bibianu, and it was one of the highlights of my, uh, of my trip there. Uh, Bibianu grew up in a faith community where uh, infant baptism was practiced. And I, I guess at this point, I probably also need to point out that this theological training school is not just aimed at Ica church leaders or Ica Christians. This theological training school is aimed at uh, Christians and church leaders across all denominations in Angola. And that was one of kind of the, the fundamental principles that Nathan and his team uh, decided on very early on in their work over there is that they wanted, uh, they wanted to reach out across denominational lines. And, and you'll be able to see from in just a minute how this is really uh, beginning to have an impact there. But Bibianu came from a background of uh, where infant baptism was practiced. Well, as he went through uh, the theological training school, it's, uh, theological training school is, a, is about 30 courses it takes to, to graduate, so it's not just come up here for a weekend seminar. Uh, th- th- this is something fairly extensive. Uh, but he began to question about baptism and what it was all about. And now he has come to the conclusion, based on his study at the theological training school, that uh, infant baptism is not what God uh, had in mind when he instituted uh, baptism. And interestingly, he's begun to question that publicly. And And questioning that publicly is a big deal because that's not a community that's open to being questioned on that topic. And so the fact that he's been able to, to raise that subject publicly without really much backlash at all indicates to me that God is really having a big impact over there uh, in Angola. Another little uh, piece of, of interesting information is that um, several of the students that have gone through ETCA have indicated that they came to the school thinking that they knew the Bible and that uh, they really didn't need to go any, any deeper, but they realized through their time there that, hey, I, I really didn't have as deep an understanding of the Scriptures or of even who God is until I came here and went through this, this course of study. So God is truly doing a fantastic uh, work here. Now, why is Bibianu standing up in front of these students here? He's not giving his senior capstone presentation. Uh, From time to time, uh, or as students go through these courses, uh, the team looks at the students and says, are there any that have uh, the knowledge and the aptitude and the desire that would be good teachers in this school so that we are, we are expanding beyond just us. You know, we are, we are trying to uh, create a situation where the Angolans themselves are taking this on and making this a part of themselves rather than it being completely reliant on us. Well, Bibianu was one of the, the ones that has been chosen to be an instructor over there. And in fact, he's standing here because he just got done 
team teaching a brand new class that they debuted called Angolan Church History uh, there at ETCA. And uh, from what I hear, it went really well. Uh, I mentioned I did have a t- uh, an opportunity to spend some time with Bibianu. He was, uh, he was just a joy to spend time with. He's got quite an incredible story. Uh, and, uh, and so he's got some challenges in his, uh, in his life and in his ministry. But uh, I had the opportunity to pray over him while I was there and uh, encourage him where he was uh, a little bit down and struggling with uh, some things and, and uh, encourage him that despite what it seems right now, I am convinced because of your heart and because of, um, because of God that he is going to do great works in you even though you may not be able to see it right now. Uh, so, good stuff going on there. Uh, all right, the last piece of work that Nathan is doing is uh, lamp, lamp and uh, pushing out beyond just Wambu. So, uh, Nathan and his team are based in Wambu. Most of their work has been uh, in Wambu. But from the very beginning, they've had the vision to go beyond just that one city that they've been working in. They've had the vision to go throughout all of Angola and even to push into the rest of the, the other five Portuguese-speaking nations in Africa. It's called uh, Luso Africa, which actually LAMP stands for Luso African Mission Partners. And uh, the purpose of, well, let me back up for just a second. So you may remember that while Nathan was locked down uh, during COVID, he started a publishing business. Um, Not one to sit still. Nathan always needs to be doing something. And so he thought, what can I do when I can't be out among uh, the people? He was actually in Namibia at the time. He started a publishing business. And because there, there's not a lot of uh, port, Christian Portuguese language resources uh, available. And so he wanted that made available to uh, folks in throughout Luso Africa. Right now, they've been publishing mostly textbooks and resources that are being used for uh, ETCA, the Theological Training School. But... Uh, the vision is to begin making even more and more uh, resources available uh, to folks throughout Angola and uh, Luso Africa there. Uh, LAMP as a whole was really the foundation of their vision of pushing out beyond um, Wambu. It was envisioned to be able to provide spiritual growth opportunities throughout all of, of Angola. It's a nonprofit that, it, that his team formed. Uh, it's, not just about, uh, it's not just work that Nathan is doing. In fact, I mentioned Robert Meyer was one of their team members. Robert is the, uh, the chairman of the board for this nonprofit organization. Uh, but it's, it was started to push beyond the boundaries uh, of Wambu and provide resources and spiritual growth opportunities in, in other locations. They've started a newsletter called Alampada 
you know, if you get the newsletter from the Zambia work or, you know, maybe one of the Christian colleges, it's something similar to that where it's just stories of uh, what's going on in churches throughout uh, the rest of the, the Portuguese, Africa, Portuguese-speaking African nations there. Uh, but even beyond that, uh, Nathan and the team have partnered with an organization called Gospel Chariot uh, to start the to bring the global four fields discipleship training to Angola. Uh, Nathan and his team are targeting church leaders once again with this four fields discipleship training uh, as another way to start chipping through that exterior of uh, I have arrived, and I, I, there's no need for me to go deeper in learning the Bible or in my, my spiritual walk there. Um, so this is in tandem with the work of the, the theological training school, and the Four Fields Discipleship Training talks about the journey that people go through uh, with the metaphor of four fields in how people mature in their their spiritual growth walk there. Um, And so, if you're going to make these opportunities available, you know, if you think about a country like Angola, where it's very rural, the roads are very bad, uh, and people are mostly poor, uh, including and perhaps even especially uh, the, the church leaders, then it's going to be very difficult for them to get to Wambu or Luanda, right? So how, do, how can we make this available to them? Well, we can take it to them, and that's exactly what they're, what they're doing there. And so, uh, again, as we try to grow this work beyond just the four people that are part of this team, uh, that work is uh, being expanded to Angolans that have a calling to be more involved there. And so I had the, Nathan arranged for me to stay with uh, a gentleman named Charles Kambungu um, while I was in Luanda. And uh, that's him there on the left. Uh, so I had the opportunity to have dinner with him and stay in his, uh, in his home. And uh, Charles works for an oil company in Luanda. One of the industries in Angola is, is oil. Uh, there are lots of oil companies there uh, doing offshore drilling there. And Charles works for one of those oil companies and has a pretty decent job. But uh, Nathan has known Charles almost uh, 11 or 12 years, their entire time that they've been there. And Charles, over the last few years, has really felt a calling toward uh, ministry. And so Nathan has said, this is, a, this is a great opportunity for you. Maybe you would like to take this four fields training and, and be uh, kind of the organizer of how we're going to push this out through the rest of Angola. And Charles is becoming excited about that. And so he's been the one that, has, uh, that, that is starting to head that up. So it's going to be exciting over the next uh, several months and few years to see how that actually grows uh, and what kind of impact it's making on church leaders beyond just Luanda and, and Wambu. Uh, other 
areas of LAMP are coming. It's more than just a publishing business. It's more than just this four fields discipleship training. Uh, they're wanting to start a, a scholarship program for that would provide funding for church leaders to be able to come to Mambu or Luanda for some of these opportunities. Um, the, uh, uh, but there's also a medical arm that they are, are wanting to start and they're beginning to explore. I mentioned Jordan Yarbrough as one of the team members uh, and she is a nurse practitioner. Uh, of course, Nathan's wife, Amoyo, is a doctor. And so they're beginning to explore uh, how they could do a medical ministry throughout Angola. And they don't really know what that's going to look like yet. There's some real uh, bureaucratic challenges to that, to be honest. And so they're trying to explore that and figure out what that's going to look like. But uh, uh, there's going to be more of that coming uh, as well. So that's been a real quick trip through my work or my time in Angola. Um, just to give you a little bit of a summary there, I, I went over there not knowing exactly what to expect. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of had a, a, an idea that I wanted to go over there and see the work for myself. What exactly is it that Nathan is doing over there? Um, I also wanted to spend some time uh, just loving on and encouraging uh, his family. Uh, him, Amoyo, and the girls, Anna and Phoebe. And I can tell you that uh, those, uh, those kids are just absolutely adorable. That was one of the highlights of my trip, uh, too. But the thing that I didn't expect, uh, I asked Nathan, what, how do you see this trip looking? He said, well, I want to introduce you to this person, this person, this person, this person. And I said, okay, great. What was, uh, what really was a highlight of my trip, the single biggest highlight, was the ability to spend time with each of those folks and find out what is their story? What is their ministry? What are they, what are they doing? Where are they struggling? Where, you know, where, what's bringing them joy? And then encourage them and pray over them. It's people like Bibianu, people like Bonda, people like Charles that, uh, you know, they're, they're over there living their lives, trying to grow their walk and trying to bring others uh, to Christ. And the ability to encourage them and pray over them and tell them that somebody outside of Angola cares about the work that you're doing was just absolutely priceless. It was the single biggest highlight of my trip. Um, and so... You know, coming back full circle, let's, let's think about what maybe you can do. Uh, the, uh, the first thing you can do certainly is, is pray about the work that is going on over in uh, Angola. Um, the, uh, pray about Nathan and his family. You know, just like we have struggles in our own lives, um, you know, Nathan has, a, Nathan has a marriage that, um, you know, needs prayers for protection just like our own marriages need prayers for protection. Like many of us are parents, uh, and there's the struggle of raising them, you know, and uh, the, the joys when we see our kids do great things in the first family. Uh, pray over his team. Pray over the work that they're, they're doing there. Second thing you can do is communicate with Nathan. I've put his email up here, uh, nathan at angolateam.org. Email him. 
and uh, ask how he's doing. Nathan loves to hear from people. Um, ask him what's going on. Ask him how you can pray for him. Uh, another thing you can do is provide uh, financial support online through our, our website. Just like you can give online uh, to this church, you can give online to the work that is going on over there in Angola. Uh, there's a way that you can tag it for that there. Uh, if you need more information on that, please see me. I'd be happy to help you with that. Um, you can join our Let's Start Talking ministry. If you're not familiar with Let's Start Talking, it's a way that you help people that don't speak English learn to speak English by reading the Bible. Linda Gearhart is our ministry leader for that. Uh, and that, that goes, that's a global ministry. So helping people that are humans that want to learn to speak English or improve their English, and he is ready to have people help uh, with that. So if that's something that interests you, talk to Linda Gearhart. Uh, go visit. It's already been mentioned that uh, there's going to be the opportunity for folks to go over there next summer. Uh, there's going to be a, a meeting next Sunday at 2.30 just to gauge interest and to be able to, to answer some questions that you may have. Um, so no commitment required for that at this time. Uh, but I hope you'll consider doing that. That's going to be an opportunity to go and teach English at, uh, you know, to Angolans in person for uh, a couple of weeks there. Uh, and then lastly is uh, join the missions committee. Maybe, uh, maybe Angola is not your thing, but there are other, uh, there are other mission opportunities. Maybe, maybe you don't know, maybe you've been impacted by what I've said, but you don't know exactly where uh, you might want to fit in. Go join the missions committee. Talk to Alan Thomas, and uh, he would be happy to have you be a part of that committee uh, and get you plugged in there. And so, as we uh, as we close this down, you know, I, I want to bring this full circle. We started with my journey toward a passion for missions uh, in general and the people of Africa more specifically. Nathan had a similar journey as a teen. He was sitting out there in the audience just like you uh, and heard a report very similar to what I'm doing here, and it caused him to want to go to the mission field. And so maybe something that I've said here today impacts you in a way that says, you know what, I really could be making a difference in people's lives beyond this building right here. And it drives you uh, to either want to be uh, more involved in work or toward just partnering in mission work that's being done somewhere. But either way, realize that God is using people just like me and people just like you to do amazing things uh, beyond what we can ask or imagine. Just like it says in Ephesians three sixteen through 21. Uh, it's clear to me that uh, the work that Nathan and his team are doing, that God is very involved in. I was blown away by the results that I, I saw while I was over there in Angola. Uh, you know, many times throughout the last several months, I, I've thought, you know what, I could almost write one of those missionary stories that was, that was very similar to the ones that I read that I could write about Nathan, um, because God is clearly doing some amazing work beyond what I myself could imagine. And so, as we enter into our, our prayer time here, 
I hope that you will be in prayer about uh, this work that Nathan and his team are doing, but also asking God to, to open up your heart and your eyes about how you could be a part of work that is going on beyond these walls to truly make a difference in people's lives and to see where he needs you. Let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer and song. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.